This season of My First Dungeon is sponsored by Soul Muppet Publishing and their Kickstarter campaign for Orbital Blues Afterburn. This is episode three of our Orbital Blues campaign, so if you are hearing this, chances are you are already enjoying the misadventures of our sad space cowboys and may even be thinking of starting a game of your own. If so, head on down to our show notes where you'll find a link to buy Orbital Blues and to back Orbital Blues Afterburn on Kickstarter. Afterburn is the first hardcover expansion for Orbital Blues, featuring a dazzling array of spaceships, additional rules and guidance for game masters, and the biggest Orbital Blues adventure yet. And with your help, we can blast past their next stretch goal to unlock a 12-song cassette of Behold's original music from this very show. So open up our show notes on your podcasting app and click on the links to buy Orbital Blues and to back the Kickstarter for Orbital Blues Afterburn. And now, enjoy the show. You are clear for liftoff in three, two, one. Godspeed, cowboy. We called it the final frontier. But all that meant was that when space turned out to be just as corruptible and ruthless as Earth, we had nowhere left to escape to. So we gathered up our troubles and our blues, slung them over our world-wearied backs, and stepped into the new rebel era, aboard whatever ship we could find. These days, a ship means freedom. But every day of freedom incurs a debt to the frontier galaxy. And space is the hardest son of a bitch out there. And it's always coming to collect. Last time in the Frontier Galaxy. Our interstellar outlaws were hot on the tail of John Tequilo Rogers, a bounty that could clear all your debts and let you keep flying. Unfortunately, your search led you to the Sutler system. A backwater galaxy, but one that none of you wanted to return to. Upon arrival, you tracked John to the Sutler Route 47 fuel hub, a refueling station that was currently blasting out a distress call. You made your way inside the fuel hub and freed a bound and gagged concierge named Clancy Clearwater, who informed you, very professionally, of the location of the various outlaws who were currently robbing the 812 convenience store. You made quick work of a few hired guns who took an inopportune bathroom break uh, <laughs> before making your way to the 812 where you encountered John Tequila Rogers and a handful of armed thugs. With tensions very high, you talked to John with guns raised and learned that the six-credit bounty was put on him by none other than Saul Jackson, Ward's father, in an attempt to keep John away from Jesse Red Rhodes, the love of John's life and a down-on-her-luck out-of-systems boxing champion who was helping Saul to smuggle a combat-enhancing drug called Punch-Up into the system right under the nose of the Perazzo family. You learned John escaped from Folk Song Penitentiary just so he could stop her from getting involved with someone like Saul, and that he was only robbing the 812 because he needed cash for its safe passage to get to Irvine Industrial, the nearby mining settlement where Red was scheduled to fight Casey Perazzo in an underground boxing fight at the Undercarriage Bar that Saul planned to use as a live demonstration of the potency of punch-up. 
Ward, shaken by mention of his father, was swayed by John's words, saying there was no love lost between him and Saul Jackson. And you all agreed to take John aboard the 21st night of September and transport him to Irvine Industrial to try and find Red. But not before finishing John's robbery of the 812 and adding two credits to your account and also an armed robbery charge to your rap sheet. (laughs) Yeah, we're bad. (laughs) But we made friends with that desk guy. You did make friends with the desk guy. What was his name? Clancy? Clancy. Clancy. Clancy, Clancy, who's currently uh, shopping the Yellow Lily, trying trying to hawk it for parts. When you arrived at the undercarriage bar, you were immediately greeted by a glass smashing next to your heads as you saw the massive form of Casey Perrazzo lift up the bartender by his collar and yell, Where the fuck is Indy Carter? And we begin on that as a glass smashes immediately next to Blank's head as Blank was the first one through the door. Blank, you see this glass smash and you look out in front of you, follow it, like tracing the path of this glass and you see a massive bartender in like a very tight, like white t-shirt, thick, I mean, I'm talking like, you know, arms like legs and legs like people, okay? (laughs) This is a thick man. Uh, Clearly like a long time bartender, former miner, like battle hardened and work hardened man being lifted up effortlessly by his collars by a woman probably like twice his size in thickness and even more menacing with spiderweb tattoos over a shaved head. Blank, since you're the first one in the door, I'm going to say you're the only one that that sees this at the moment. Can you go ahead and roll me a perception check? Uh, So just 2d6, no modifier. Ooh, uh, six. You look around. There's a number of other people in the bar. There are a bunch of like clearly like miners either before their shift or after their shift. They all look kind of, it seems like a kind of down on your luck area. Like the, the jukebox is playing and it is kind of bluesy, sad music. The vibe in here is not jolly. It is just kind of tense. You don't see anyone making a move to help. But I think with the six, you don't necessarily get a read on who is who and why no one is making a move. But you see Casey Peraza, this massive woman, lifting up this bartender, pulling him directly into her face, yelling, where the fuck is Indy Carter? The the bartender kind of like, still looking tough, but is clearly like being cowed by this woman, looks up and goes, I, I saw him in here last night. I mean, that's all I know. I, I, I'm not trying to fuck with you. I'm not trying to fuck with the Peraza family. I served the man a drink. You know, that's all. Uh, she pulls him up a little bit closer and goes, you're a smart man, I think. I've seen you around here. You know not to fuck with us. You pay your protection and we protect you. But I can't fucking protect you if you're protecting someone else. You catch my drift? She pulls him a little closer and he kind of like... For everyone else who is like just outside this door, what do you guys do as you hear this smash and you hear this shouting happening inside the bar? Blank who actually just look at what's going on and just look away. Very much like, this is none of my business. And I think we'll just start picking up the glass on the ground because it seems like this barkeep has enough on their plate. <laughs> as is, so I'm going to do what I can to help, which is as little as possible. So I'm going to just be picking up the uh, uh, broken glass off the ground. You start picking up the broken glass off the ground and like a very slight man kind of runs by with like a uh, like kind of a bar back uh, outfit on. Uh, with a broom and dustpan and starts like sweeping as well, like looking very, this is not a 
you know, muscled individual. This is like the kid, basically. Yeah. Sweeping up stuff and just kind of looking at you like, oh, uh, thank you. Thank you, sir. I'm going to go. I'm going to make a big move here. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I'm going to say that because I'm we're all together, if you guys see me doing this and you want to stop me, I will like do whatever opposed role to make mm. that happen. But I'm going to try and kill. I'm going to try and <laughs> kill the Perazzo daughter. <gasps> Holy shit. I'm, I think I'm going to try and like trail my gun at her and possibly like shoot her in the kneecaps to like disable her because <laughs> I do want to find out maybe not kill her but I'm going to I'm going to try and shoot her and then I'm going to take a blues right away because I escalate a situation in an attempt to get revenge and for our listeners who may or may not remember this bitch is the abusive sister of my dead love I can't decide if Ward would try to stop you or not. I've, I'm really torn on it. I think he would get caught up in, like, wanting this to happen and also thinking this is a bad idea, and Ward freezes. Kumari trusts Eli implicitly because Eli always has the, the good plan and is employee of the day <laughs> every right, day. That's right. So I, I think Kumari is like, has, like, a tablet out and is like, oh, Maria actually has an agenda plan for this. Let me just pull it up real quick so we can all <laughs> look through it before we go in. And is distracted by this. Before we roll any kind of initiative, Eli, you hear this smashing of glass as Blank opens the door. You see Blank kind of jump to attention for a quick moment. And you hear that voice bellowing out, where the fuck is Indy Carter? You're pulled back to that voice yelling through smoke and through gunfire as you and Nikki are running through this galactic terminal on your way towards a ship, on your way out of the Sutler system. A trip that you don't yet know that you'll be making alone. What do you hear from Casey off in the distance as you are running through smoke and through gunfire? She's just yelling, where is she? Where is she? And where is he now? Let's motherfucker! Because I've also made off with some and our escape to, like, go elope. We've made off with some money. Mm. Um, Casey was always, like, the worst sister, the worst sibling. So we, we stole the money from her to try and, like, start our new life. You hear that, where is she? Where is that limp dick mother? <laughs> and it flies back into the present without even noticing your hand already on your holster gun already coming up. I'm going to roll an important check for Casey. Okay. I'm cool. going to roll a perception check for Casey. She is very occupied right now, so I'm going to roll it against the odds. So roll 3d6, take the lower two. That is a five, a five, and a one. So six total does not perceive. You guys can all roll initiative. This will be a surprise round. Yeah, baby. I guess I don't know if I want to kill her because I feel like I want her to like... I don't want to just murk her because I want her to know it's me. But as you, as a uh, <laughs> blank kneels down to like start sweeping up, just like, <laughs> oh, like start sweeping up this glass. I like over as they kneel, like over them, just wh whip out my pistol. I'm like, is this, tr try this for limp. And then just like point my <laughs> pistol at her. Nice. You just hear, you just hear Casey in the distance go, what? <laughs> <laughs> what? And you fire. I'm going to try and fire, shoot her knees out if I can. 
yeah, go ahead and roll me. Uh, I'm going to say this is a straight attack. Uh, that's, <laughs> <laughs> I like that. That was good. That's a six, a five, and a three. Uh, six and five is 11. Damn. <laughs> Eli. Yeehaw. Bang echoes out as you slam a bullet directly into Casey Prazo's knee. Uh, your third dice was a three, so that is three damage. You see Casey's knee immediately buckle. The weight of the bartender immediately falls off. The bartender slams into the bar and kind of like gets knocked back a little bit. And Casey, for a moment, like kneels down, catches herself, and immediately flips her gaze over to you. You see first the anger of someone just being in pain, then the confusion of what she is seeing, and then a malice, a malice that you are very familiar with from this woman. Each time that it cuts to her eyes, cuts between her eyes and my eyes, it gets a little closer and it's like animated like that one Tarantino, like in yes. Kill Bill when it's Oren Ishii's, Ishii's part about her. Okay, that's it. <laughs> you see her down on one knee and slowly pulls herself back up to attention, just looks at you and goes, limp dick mother and starts to reach for her gun. I do need everyone else to roll initiative. Uh, Maria, what'd you get? One, uh, two. Oh, that's not me. <laughs> I'm so sleepy. Damn, it's so codependent that Kamari's like, I'm Maria, right? Maria is me, is I am Kamari. So Kamari was two? Yeah, two. Maria? Five again. I got a four. One. So first up is uh, Maria. Maria, can you do me a favor before you make any action? Can you roll a... Well, I guess first off, are you going to move in or are you going to... Because typically everyone else is still outside. Are you going to move into this area or are you going to stay outside? Yeah, Maria's going to move into the bar. Uh, go ahead and roll me a perception check. So 2d6, um, no additions. Oh, that's a three and a six. You look around this bar. You clock everything that I've already said. So you clock the bartender, you clock Casey. This look of malice and recognition between Eli and Casey. I think you don't think that Casey has noticed Ward yet. Though Ward, though you two would be familiar, her focus is pretty much just on the person with the smoking gun pointed directly at her knee. And looking so cool. Oh, I'm yeah. all slouched over and looking real cool and tall and slim. So cool. So cool. Maria, what you see in this bar is everyone around. There are maybe like seven or eight what would appear to be just like miners, like working class folk, all like pretty buff people just because they've been like working in mine, like they're physical laborers. Mm -hmm. Everyone is grabbing items from the vibe in here. Uh -huh. You get that none of these people like Casey Perrazzo. Mm. You see that they are angry. You don't see them moving to attack Casey. Mm. To attack her or defend her? You don't, you don't see them moving to attack, but you see them like grabbing stuff and looking towards your group. But you also get the vibe that they don't like Casey. Like they, you just saw Casey like manhandle the bartender, who's clearly like a patronly figure here. Mm -hmm. um, so there's some kind of tension going on here that you don't quite understand. But you know that there is a separate element that is possibly going to get involved in this in this mm -hmm. combat. Oh, interesting. Who's good at talking? 
Uh, Maria. Blank, calm him down. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure Maria and Blank are the highest savvy. Blank, we this highest one's on you. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> you gotta get me out of this one. Oh, man. I think Maria's just gonna, yeah, she's gonna, oh, man, I have two different ideas and, and, and. And they're both Pick the good. sadder one. Do the sadder one. Sad, 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 sad. The sadder one is Maria walks into the bar to kind of assess what's happening in this. And then just because she's sweet and plain and, and uh, not a space cowboy at heart, is just going to look at the crowd and be like, what's happening in here? <laughs> yeah. Go ahead and uh, go and roll me a savvy check. This isn't really the perfect lie, but if you want to use your gambit here, uh, I'd let you do that. Um, it's No, it's not quite the right moment. Okay, then just uh, roll a, a straight check. Okay. Oh, no. <laughs> am I adding something? Uh, you're Please savvy. tell me I am. You're savvy. Uh, that six plus two is eight. Exactly. Eight, exactly <laughs> what you need. Ooh. You, you walk in and you say, what, what's happening here? Um, a man sitting like at one of the, uh, essentially like at a seat that is looking out the window, immediately grabs you and kind of pulls you out of the way. You see, he has uh, like a toolbox that he clearly like is his toolbox for his like trade. Uh-huh. Has pulled out a wrench, uh, very similar to yours. Like sees you as like <laughs> a oh, fellow, like man. oh honey, you, like you, you don't realize what you just got into. He pulls you over and just looks at you and goes, I, I don't know who these folks are, but they're they're starting to fuck with Casey and like. We can't have Casey getting fucked with in this bar. Like, we don't want the Peraza mm. wrath, okay? Like, fuck this shit, okay? We got to we gotta get them to take this outside, preferably off moon, okay? You know what I mean? So, like, whatever the fuck you're doing, grab that wrench. You got to smack these guys over the head, okay? We cannot take this kind of heat right now. Oh, but if we went outside? Quite frankly, I think Casey Peraza dying anywhere in urban industrial is going to be pretty fucking bad for us, okay? We're hanging on by a thread. Hmm. But outside would be better. <laughs> Ain't gonna be no dying. We need to kidnap this Casey. Find out what you know. Also, Maria definitely takes the blues for someone trusts you when they would not trust a normal outlaw. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. You see, basically you having a wrench in your hand is all you needed. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's code. You kind of like get the sense that the Perazos have some kind of hold over this area mm-hmm. and like Casey disappearing in Irvine Industrial is bad for everybody like these mm. people have no love lost towards Casey Peraza or the Peraza family but they're thinking of survival here and they see someone is about to like fuck up their whole world they've got to make sure that doesn't happen this is a nebulous situation right now Maria's working on a plan in her head but she knows her turn's probably over <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Unless she gets would, another action. What would you like to do? It's a big one. <laughs> well, that's tell me what it is. I'll, I'll, I'll see what we can do. It's a multi-parter. <laughs> <laughs> Maria would like to use her quick thinking skills and take that wrench and the message of go outside, and she wants to smash a window. Then she wants to take her rope and lasso Casey Brazo and then leap out the window <laughs> and pull Casey with her. You're on the first floor. Which could be possible. How how the how how is gravity on this? Is this a small moon? Like that's totally possible with the right gravity. Boom. This is pretty like standard grav. 
It doesn't matter that it's the first floor. I just won't get outside. I'll say you can start making your way outside. You can smash a window and you can like be prepping your rope. But I don't. I can't let you do all <laughs> of that for sure. Yeah, I was asking for a lot of things. Uh, you, you, you see this miner next to you. Goes, what the fuck are you doing? And he looks at you and just goes, all right, that might work. And he smashes a window as well. But he's just like, oh, maybe we make confusion. Maybe we make chaos. Everybody will calm down. Sometimes that works with a rogue horse. You know what? That actually kind of makes sense to me. Okay, yeah, yeah, let's do it. And she starts banging pots and pans and shit. <laughs> Next up is Blank with a four. Blank, what do you want to do? Blank sees Casey, the, the brick house that they are, still stand up, take, up taking a gunshot to the back of the knee. Mm-hmm. Is very quickly like, I don't want anything to do with this. And it's going to keep picking up the glass. <laughs> 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 and they keep picking up the glass. Just pretend like they're not part of this group and just keep helping this guy with sweeping up the, the shattered glass all over the floor. Do me a favor and roll a perception check for me. Actually, you know what? If, if that's going to be your action, I'll let you roll it with the upper hand. So 3d6. Ooh, okay. 11. All these people are all like up in arms. They're grabbing wrenches. They're grabbing chairs. They're like preparing to do something, but no one is quite taking the lead yet. They like, this is a nebulous situation. They don't know what's happening. You see one person in the back doesn't quite have the same vibe. They're kind of wearing like a leather jacket and are looking a little less like buff and ripped. They're a little scrawnier. Stands up fairly calmly and walks to the back where you see a like small room where there's a payphone. And they walk into this room and slam the door. Like, they're taking cover, but they're doing it fairly calmly. Like, this is someone who's clearly been around violence. And they go into this payphone and you see them start dialing something. Oh, okay. Well, I'm going to take a blue because I evaded the problem instead of fighting it. Um. (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) Can I do anything else? Because I kind of want to follow that guy. Yeah, I'll I'll let you follow. Very casually after picking up the last piece of glass, which I think Blank has pocketed. He didn't, like, give it to the guy that's sleeping off. He's been pocketing these shards of glass. Um, Hell yeah. They're going to walk over to, as calmly as well and as um, nonchalantly as he can, over to this payphone and just watch the number they're dialing. Well, as much as the number they're dialing that they can catch, obviously, because they did some of it already. Yeah. So you're moving between a very tense situation. So do me a favor and just roll a savvy check just to see how easily you can move through this crowd. Ooh, I'm walking so easily. Kidding me? 11. <laughs> 11 okay, yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, as, as a hoverboarder, as a boarder, you know how to move your body. Like, you are very much in control of how you move, and you fly through this crowd very quickly, very quietly, very low, and you get over to this phone booth. You hear buttons being dialing, and you catch, like, the tail end of this phone number. From the way they are dialing, this is not like a local number, as in like it's not Irvine Industrial. It seems like this is a Reno 12 number. Oh. You see this person wearing a leather jacket. You hear a bit of their voice coming through the door. It's like not a soundproof door. And you hear them pull up the uh, receiver to their ear and go, yeah, yeah, put Frankstein on. I don't, I don't need to be coy about this. You would recognize this leather jacket. You recognize <laughs> yeah. the sigil uh, on the back of this leather jacket of a Reno snake. Yeah. Um, though you do oh. notice that, like, the patch on the shoulder has been, like, kind of covered up poorly. 
Uh, but the like, essentially the, ta- the gaff tape that it's covering up is beginning to fall off and you see that red of the snake and you hear the name Francine echoing in your head. And actually, Blank, I think as you hear put Francine on the line, you flash back to a few days before that fateful evening when you laid onto your board and just went half alive, half conscious. What was happening a few days before you made the decision to steal from the head of the Reno snakes, Francine Dubois? You see an image of a bar scene, probably a little bit similar to the one we're in right now. And I am surrounded by other, uh, by Reno snakes. And they seem to be regarding me fairly positively. Uh, The one across the table um, to me is probably a little bit more annoyed that I'm around, purely because I'm absolutely kicking their ass at poker yeah i've been on some kind of luxury that i don't think even i fully understand but i'm not questioning and i've made quite a bit of credits from it beside me is a good friend of mine kind of cheering me on um is dell they're about five foot ten very pale pale white skin and deep brown hair pale blue eyes and rather lanky um, compared to the more leanness of, of Blank. And in this flashback, Blank is still wearing that um, Blank mask. As far as you can tell, they've always had this Blank mask. But Dan is beside them, and they've been subtly helping uh, Blank win. Usually the cheating doesn't go this well, so there is some kind of luck going on here, but Dan is pretty good at... They're able to pass on information without others necessarily knowing, and Blank is very aware of how to look for these things. And they've been on a uh, bit of a streak now, emptying the pockets of most of the Reno snakes. And just as Blank is about to win the last credit that this Reno snake uh, opposite them is able to give, the door, the bar doors swing open as Francine walks in and wordlessly shoves this guy off the seat and takes a seat in front of Blank and says, let's play. You look over at Dell, who already fairly pale and lanky has gone even paler because you know that the tricks and the moves that you're doing will fly with regular people, with people who are drunk, with people who are high, with people who don't know how to play. They're not fast company. Francine Dubois is fast company. The tone of the room changes. The tone of the table changes as everyone sits up a little bit straighter. Everyone moves their chips a little closer to themselves. And you see everyone's hands just kind of settle down on front of the table, letting her know a show of respect that their hands are literally on the table while hers remain under the table. Who knows with what kind of weapon prepared to do whatever she may in her club. You fly back out of Viper's Bar and Grill and you hear the beginnings of this conversation as you hear, put Francine on the line. Next up is the mob of people. Um, Wait, I thought we got a surprise round. Oh, I guess you did get a surprise round. That is totally yeah. fair. Yeah. That is totally fair. I was yeah, just thinking. Yeah. No, no, no. Yeah. This is fair. Yeah. 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 
I hate this voice. A cacophony of these voices going at once is I didn't realize until now it's my moist, I think. Yeah. That's fair. That's fair. I might be on I might be on the In this episode we'll find everyone's cacophonous moist. Everyone's moist. Oops all moist. Oops all moist episode. The 80s are over, and you're not kids anymore. Now is a much darker time. Something happened to you, and you got touched by the weird, and it made you wild, and it made you powerful. This is the world of The Lost Bay, a suburban gothic RPG. A fever dream set in 1990X and inspired in equal parts by dark fantasy, horror classics, and the 90s indie culture. After years of development, and thanks to the feedback and support of a community of early enthusiasts, The Lost Bay is coming to Kickstarter, featuring a full rulebook and complete setting designed by Eco, kick-ass art by Evangeline Gallagher, killer maps by Strega Wolf Vandenberg, and six additional modules by some of the coolest designers in the indie scene. So go to thelostbayrpg.com to be notified on launch. That's thelostbayrpg.com. Then that is Kumari, the boss. Uh Uh-oh. You hear crash, you hear bang, you see... Someone's sweeping up glass. You see Blank running towards the back. You see people standing up. You hear glass shattering next to you as Maria, for no reason, just shatters the glass <laughs> and runs around and starts pulling out the rope. Kamari, you look forward and you see Casey Perrazzo, venom in her eyes, looking at Eli. Kamari, do you think that you would, in your travels, know Casey? Or would you be familiar with her? Kamari does, does know Casey and uh, knows Casey pretty well. They... Uh used to play like back back street backgammon back in the day together ah uh, of course the most the most <laughs> dangerous of backstreet games backstreet backgammon uh, it's right up there with backstreet countdown <laughs> space backgammon yes space, space, backgammon. space backgammon you see casey venom in her eyes has noticed no one but eli in this moment and is reaching into what is like a long duster you see just the tip of it hanging on the side of her, just peeking out from under this duster, is the tip of a shotgun that she is beginning to pull out. Kumari, it is your move. What do you do? Kumari, at the sound of the gun, like freaked out, like dropped the tablet. was like, whoa, wait, was that part of the agenda? That I don't think there's a whole protocol we have for shooting guns. Remember, we have to have a four-step process before we Why? Wait, Breaking window. Wait, that does sound vaguely familiar. Breaking windows. Okay, maybe this is part of the plan. Kamari's freaking out, and then like sees the the shotgun and is like, Casey. He's like, kind of like, oh shit. Like, so like realizes that they know this person, but like isn't. They're not best friends, but it's like it's like an acquaintance type thing of like, ah, I know you. We used to play games back in the day. Like, finally comes to of like, oh, and then goes like, Eli, did you just shoot Casey? And then uh, it's like looking around and is like, blanks picking up glass that makes sense <laughs> and then like is is not i guess in earshot of maria looks at ward and is like uh i guess uh just like 
happy that Ward has his shoes on for once. And then <laughs> I didn't even think about that. <laughs> They're still the nice that. shoes. I still wore the nice shoes to the fight. Good. Kamari's very pleased. Kind of is like, ah, oh, shit. Okay. And then starts to uh, pull out their gun and is like, all right, guys, I'll remind everyone the four-step protocol for shooting your weapon. It's first announce. Uh, takes out the gun. Goes, <laughs> I'm firing my gun. Uh <laughs> lock on and like you see their like mechanical eye which like is kind of like a lazy eye like it's always hanging loose moves into like position and like locks into Casey and then goes remind everyone you're firing your weapon so it goes just so everyone knows I'm firing the weapon <laughs> and then finally like fire and then uh, is gonna try and shoot the other knee of Casey Perazzo yeah. Uh, go ahead and make an attack. So uh, 3d6, uh, the third die will be your damage, should you hit. Okay. Fast money. Oh. <laughs> no, what is it? Slow money? <laughs> Do you shoot got, yourself in the foot? I got a one, one, and a two. <laughs> no. So uh, just, just a reminder, if you want to, you can choose to exert yourself, and you can spend you... heart to reroll any number of dice. Uh, but whatever you re-roll, you do have to keep that result. I just want to point out that you told me this last time, and then I did it, and then afterwards you told me I have to spend credits to regain my health. So <laughs> No, you make a you check to regain your There's health. No, there, or is there it is, also credits? Uh, you can do a check, but um, medical attention, yeah, uh, has a cost. Can, can oh, Maria no. exert herself <laughs> to help Kumari? Oh my I'll God. let Maria exert this herself is, to help Kumari. This feels right. <laughs> I guess you would need a six. Don't do this. <laughs> I would need a six. I need to like exert myself. Well, you can reroll not... all three. Yeah, you, you could spend like with two one or three heart. I have, oh, I is it not... per die it's, that you spend the yeah, heart? Yeah, it's one heart uh, per die. Which is not so bad because I'm at full uh, heart. So there I you think, go. I, I think it's fine if I miss. Uh, <laughs> I think it's do we not want me to miss? It's up to you. As long as you're not accidentally uh, shooting yourself. Nothing. Are you sad about it? I think we want to save her life so we can interrogate her. Mm. Maybe that that was my intent with shooting her in the knee. Right, right, right. I've I'm already down. uh, I've already exerted myself down from ten to eight. Um, Cool. So I'm gonna. I think let this happen, and then maybe is there like perhaps a karaoke thing happening in the bar or a birthday party <laughs> by, by, by any chance Brad did you forget to describe that part of the bar oh my god you know how CD bars uh, in yeah. like dangerous places always have karaoke and birthday parties you, you, you don't see you don't see a birthday party or like a karaoke machine but there is some music playing over the jukebox if you can break my heart with what song's playing you can take a blues if I could break your heart with what song is playing. You could also can, do a blues I check. Can, well, I feel like it would have to be a song that uh, Kumari, I guess, heard on their 30th birthday. Hmm. Oh, I'm such an asshole because all these are not sad. They're just stupid. <laughs> <laughs> do you want to phone a friend? Yeah, hit me with the song. I mean... Back to Black is the saddest karaoke song. Amy Winehouse, that's such a sad song. Yeah, let's uh, let's lock in Back to Black. Should we make it like <laughs> Final show answer. us Back to Black? <laughs> 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 Back to Black. 
an extra sad piano only version of that. Yeah, it's like a new like space version, like whatever the future's uh version of Billie Eilish is. It's a cover <laughs> of Back to Black by that space version. I think that's just Billie Eilish. Just Billie Eilish. <laughs> She's Behold, still alive. Just finished the <laughs> soundtrack rocking. and now we have to message him after. <laughs> exactly. He literally just sent us the masters right before this recording. <laughs> you hear this song flashing back and you hear it just kind of this tinny over these shitty speakers in this kind of backwater town jukebox. You hear this space age Billie Eilish back to black and you are pulled back to moments before everything went wrong. When a birthday was still going well, what was the height of the birthday party when this song was playing? Like what was making your night when this song played? Uh, I think you see Kumari uh, in this like bar, karaoke place. You see a ton of people. Maria's there, obviously. And uh, I think as this song is playing, you see Kumari's face and like still has both eyes. There's no treble cleft tattoo. Still like one like one arm. Everyone is like having fun, having a good time, and then walking in. A, like younger person kind of walks in like nine ten years old at best and Kamari turns and their face drops and uh, they look at Maria and uh, go is, is that Kav? and Maria knows that this is Kamari's kid that they haven't seen Since birth. What? You see a face that you've not seen for a long time. The song plays overhead, and the two forever inextricably linked as we... Your gun pointed forward, your finger on the trigger, you announce your shot, and then you hear the song, and your hand quivers for a moment the bullet flies hits directly into the jukebox and the song cuts out but that is Kumari's turn last is Ward um Ward oh, I'll, take a, I'll take a blues for that take oh a, you're absolutely taking a blues for that <laughs> yeah absolutely take a blues take a blues Ward was sort of stuck in himself when when Eli went to make this move like seeing Casey Casey's one of those people that like Ward knew back in the day and it scares everybody you know Casey was always just like the scary bit of the Perazos and one of the reasons Ward wanted to get out from under them and I think Ward now is ready to ready to dance and Ward is going to rely on a talent learned from an old friend something that he learned from his brother for for bar fights is he's going to reach for the nearest glass at like somebody's table and he's going to toss it in front of Casey and attempt to shoot it to, like, blind her, to, like, explode the glass <gasps> oh, in her face and oh, blind her. Oh, epic. Oh, damn. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead and roll. Oh, I want I, to see the anime of this. I, I also, <laughs> I also really yeah. like that. Can you roll with... Upper hand? Up, yeah, roll with the upper hand. So 46. Okay, so 46. Top okay. Oh, ooh, no. It's not that good. That is six. Oh, it's two dice plus appropriate stat. Um, so is it savvy? 
Uh, yes, it depends on, on your weapon. Yeah, it depends on your gun. Yeah. Depends on your weapon. Okay. Yeah. I have a revolver. I think that I think guns are savvy. So that's just a six. But Ward is known to exert himself. Um, so I will. <laughs> I will do so. So I am going to. Fuck it. I'm going to take one. Bringing me down to seven heart, and uh, re-roll one of these. All right. Fuck! <laughs> oh no! Oh, it was worse. Uh, no, that's, that's a four. Um, that's four total. You see, Casey, you pick up this glass <laughs> and you toss it. You toss the glass and it flies directly in front of Casey's face. You point your gun, your revolver, and you see, uh, as you look down the sight of this revolver, you see a bit of a hole in one of your sleeves. And you remember your brother teaching you this trick. You remember your brother putting on this jacket and you are pulled back. The day everything went wrong, mm. you saw your brother putting on this jacket for what you didn't know was the last time. Yeah. What was he telling you about that he was excited about that was happening the next day? Make me cry. Yeah, so <laughs> fucked up. Jesus Christ. Hey, you, you want to play the sad game? This is the sad game. <laughs> it's working. I think that Ward and, and Finn had had a ritual before a job where where they would they would sort of get dressed together and like iron their suits and everything because it was always like with the Jacksons, it was always about like you look as like tight as possible with your clothes so that you are intimidating as possible. Um and so they're like ironing Finn's like ironing his jacket and Ward's sort of adjusting his his shirt. And Finn is talking to him about this uh, this person he's met, this guy he met that he's really excited about. And they've gone on like a couple dates. And Finn is like, I don't know. I think this, he's like, I think this could be something. I, I'm not ready for you to meet him. But, you know, after once all this mess is done, you know, we'll go on a couple more dates and then, and then maybe I'll bring him around. And like Ward's sort of jabbing at him and being like, oh, you got a crush. Um, and it's this very, like, brotherly moment. Finn throws on their jacket, and, and as this memory begins to fade, you remember something you hadn't remembered, or maybe you hadn't noticed in the moment, but the way the memories kind of fade and come back, you don't know if this is an actual piece of the memory or something you've added over time and over distance, but you see a flash of some kind of bracelet on Finn's wrist that they quickly cover up when you see it, and you flashback as you go to fire you see the glass passes momentarily just in front of casey's face you fire at the glass the glass explodes but it flies next to casey casey ducks down kind of anticipating this and begins to charge forward now you see flying out of this duster a sawed off shotgun that is moving directly forward towards eli that will be casey he filed the protocol you would have hit Listen. <laughs> well, that was real chaotic, though. I liked it. <laughs> Casey moves forward with the shotgun, using it almost like a sword, in that she is going to get as close as possible and fire directly forward. She runs forward this sawed off shotgun. You see this happening in slow motion as it is drawn like a sword, comes towards you. Because this is a shotgun, uh, it has the feature that it rolls with the upper hand. Uh, when it is in close range. What? But 
only if you're using it as a gun. If you're using it as a sword, you actually <laughs> roll. Uh, yes, of course, of against course. Against the eye. Yeah. Uh, that is a six. Good, good, good catch, Abby. That is a six and a five for 11. No! <gasps> to deal 11 damage to No, me. no, no. Uh, 11 to hit. And then the, okay, okay. the oh, thank damage. God. Thank God. I was like, we can't. The damage is only two. So you see oh. this Whew. gun flies up and she mistimes it just a little bit. It blasts into your shoulder, uh, your shooting shoulder, and you feel your arm get smashed back as Casey is running forward, just looking at you going, O'Connor! You see her immediately pull back, cock the gun again, and the entire room is just kind of frozen for a moment as everyone is trying to figure out what exactly is happening. But you see everyone in this room is beginning to move. Eli, it is actually your turn next. You feel this shotgun blast in your shoulder. Your arm flies back. You see the venom of Casey running towards you, seemingly not that affected by three points of damage directly to their knee. They're moving forward with a viciousness and an adrenaline that you were not expecting. They're probably only like 10 feet from you. Uh, what do you want to do? They've got a shotgun, right? Yeah. I have a precise nine millimeter pistol. So that means I can attack a specific location on or near a target without rolling against the odds. So I'm going to try and shoot her hand. Ooh. Oh, absolutely. I'm going to try and shoot her hand to to get her to drop the weapon. Oh, uh, yeah. Go for it. 3d6s? Yes, 3d6. Ooh, five, six, four. Yeah. Oh, baby. Uh, so five, six is 11. Obviously hits. Four damage. Huge. You fire off at Casey's hand. You see the bullet go directly like between her fingers and shatters all the way back. Her hand immediately lets go of the gun. She's kind of holding it in her left hand. It was like physically cocking it, but her trigger finger is essentially destroyed. Mmm. Eli, employee of the day again. <laughs> As that happens, I'd just like to say, like, now let's all calm down, Casey. You're coming with us one way or another. <laughs> you shot her! <laughs> and now let's all calm down. I lifted out of my system. I love how Carolyn started this, like, I'm going to kill this person. To, like, we should just maim them and bring them home. Being like, we should chill I was, out. Because I realized I want to catch the her parents like i want to catch the higher ups mm. uh and she knows more <laughs> we can use her as bait you were yeah. so ready to fight us to kill this person <laughs> uh eli i will let you make a savvy check uh go you definitely have to go against the odds but you did just deal okay. a bunch of damage to her shooting hand so I will, i'll definitely let you yeah. make a check to see if you can maybe sway her a little bit. uh fuck i got two twos and a four okay so no You see her regard you momentarily, her hand completely destroyed. Her left hand, which was holding the gun to cock it, cocks it one-handed, tosses the gun in the air. She catches it with her left hand and levels it at you. That makes sense. Cool. She looks at you and goes, my sister is dead because of you. You're not leaving this moon, honey. She's dead because of you and all your rotten family. And I'll do, I'll spend my last days in this fucked up universe trying to get revenge for that. She looks at you, her eyes squint. She goes, first truthful thing you said. 
trying to get revenge. And points the gun towards you. <laughs> Maria, it is your turn. Maria's nervous. <laughs> Maria's assessing this situation and realizes that maybe she gonna pivot her plan. I'm gonna I'm gonna get my lasso going and then I'm gonna try to lasso Eli and pull Eli out the window with me, assuming <laughs> that Casey's gonna follow. Uh yeah, go ahead and make uh an attack. All right. I'll say for this, uh, just make a savvy check and on a success, you're able to do this. So I'm just rolling two. Yeah. Can I use my um, gambit to give the upper hand to Maria? Uh, yeah. You can use your captain ability. Kamari is like freaking out and goes, Maria, I'm sad. Can you do something? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Maria's like, we got to get out of this bar. I think if we take the fat outside, Casey will just follow the fat outside. Yeah, I don't care. Do what you got to do. <laughs> um, so I'm throwing GD6. Yeah. I'm taking the higher two. Higher two. That's good news. Um, that's a nine. You throw this lasso. Eli, you have your gun pointed up. All of a sudden, a rope just kind of like lands around you. <laughs> and it, like for a moment, a lasso is loose. And you just see rope around you. And then all of a sudden, Maria pulls and it tightens. And you are immediately whisked out of this bar through a window uh you get some like small little cuts on broken glass and you all of a sudden land and a bunch of dirt kicks up around you as you're all of a sudden looking up at planet fall above you uh looking at the planet that you know contains reno 12 your world immediately gets inverted by 90 degrees uh before you even know what you're doing but you do hear off behind you the blast of the shotgun blast leveled directly at your head as casey grabs the gun again, cocks it, and begins to move towards you guys outside. And I just want to make sure I take my lasso back before. Can I still do that on this turn so that Eli's got full <laughs> range of motion? Uh, yeah, what, well, uh, Eli, do, uh, do you, you just got pulled out the window by your companion. I'm also picturing it's very much like Looney Tunes. It's the giant cane pulling someone off stage sort of a move. Yeah. Very Looney Tunes vibe. <laughs> I think Maria is a practiced hand and roper. Mm -hmm. And so Eli gets pulled out. Boom. Smacked on his ass. Cloud of dirt comes out. Too, too. He's spitting, spitting grit out of his mouth. And then he's so skinny and lanky. Eli just stands up out of the rope and the rope just kind of loosens. Because <laughs> also <laughs> Maria's maybe not like pulling it tight anymore. You know how, how mm -hmm. lassos work. You all know how lassos work. Yeah. We all live in the Old West. Mm -hmm. And Eli just stands up in the in the lasso slides up. He goes, dang, come it. And then he, like, gets his pistol ready because he hears Casey coming. Love that. Blank. You are looking over this person's shoulder as they're, like, looking towards the phone. And you hear off in the distance, bang, bang, bang. But you're immediately focused on this patch on this leather jacket that you know is the sigil of the Reno Snakes. And this voice that is waiting for Francine to pick up the phone. Uh, what do you are you are you just going to be listening, in or is there anything else you want to do on this turn? Can you describe the phone booth to me real quick. Is is it like a is it closed? Can I reach them immediately, or would I have to swing the door open? Like, what am I looking at? It is it is like a shitty phone booth that has one of those kind of like accordion doors where it kind of like folds like this. Yeah. you know, uh, for for our you know listening audience. <laughs> um, but it's it's like a two pronged door with a hinge. So very easy to open. There's no lock on it. It's also like a very flimsy door. 
Uh, like the glass in it is really just like shitty plexiglass. So very easy to open uh, should you want to. Blank goes through a myriad of emotions in that moment when he hears the name Francine. For a moment, this person who, uh, for the most part, on the 21st now of September has kind of held himself like physically, like almost like a living cartoon, very animated, um, very big, suddenly becomes very small when they're thrown into this memory of the good times they had with Dell, which then led to the very bad times they've had without. But then they quickly move from that to, I think panic is the only way I can really describe it. And quickly they pull out their kind of slide out phone sidekick and they they very furiously quickly type something out. It's full of typos for sure. And then they grab a glass, a shot of glass from their pocket, swing the door open and hold it to this guy's throat and puts the phone in front of their face so they can read what it says. And it says, you're going to tell Francine that everything is fine, that you just need some extra money for booze. Uh, go ahead and roll me, uh, I'd say an intimidation check. I'll let you roll because you have, you've you brought glass into this. You roll with the upper hand. You let me know if you, I'd let you roll with savvy or with grit, I think. I'm going to go savvy. <laughs> Hell yeah. Um, definitely savvy. All perfect. Uh, that's an 11. Damn. Like the visual of this is someone is facing their back to a shootout. All of a sudden the door bursts open they spin around expecting a gun or a you know a wrench or someone to pull them out. They see someone with a blank white mask push them in, slam them up against the, the phone behind them, something like you know stabbing into their back, and then a shard of jagged glass at their throat. And then they have to like realize all of that, and then are forced to read a thing with the other <laughs> hand. You see this person realize what's happening, get very scared, but then like take stock of the situation. And you hear a voice on the other end go, Yeah, what's up? And the man doesn't answer for a moment, still trying to like figure everything out, looks at you and like tries to gauge something from you, but there's nothing to see. There's just a blank mask. I press the shot closer, deeper into their neck, just to draw a little bit of blood. You feel that little of when just that pound of pressure that is necessary to break human skin with a sharp enough razor. And you see that blood dripping down. This man looks and you hear the voice on the receiver go, Hello, who the, who the fuck's there? Recognizing the voice of Francine Dubois. Man very quickly kind of goes, Uh, 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 uh boss, uh, boss, um, hey, uh, just call in to say, uh, everything's fine. And I just need some extra money, uh, for, for booze. Calling me, Frank. You find Indy or what? Uh, I, no. Uh, we we haven't. Uh, I shake my head as if to say you didn't. We no, we haven't found uh, Indy. And he kind of like pause. Kind of like stammers. He's like trying to figure out like what he's allowed to say, what he's not. Um, you hear from the receiver. So does he have it? And he kind of. Uh, this man looks at you. And you see him, like, shaking his head up and down as if to, like, answer her question silently, but is looking to you for permission to say the words. Oh. 
I don't even know what this is about. So I'm going to shake my head to say no. Damn. I love a guessing game. He, he looks at you and kind of like his face kind of goes pale. And you see like what looks like a look of disappointment. Like you think this is juicy information that he was going to like get to give to the boss and he's not able to. You push that that shard of glass a little bit closer and he goes, uh, 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 no, 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 I don't. We don't think he does. There's, there's kind of a dust up. Uh, I, have, I mean, everything's, everything's fine. Um, there was a little like bar fight, but you know, nothing, whatever. Uh, uh, Indy, no, I don't think Indy, uh, uh, has it. I think we should, maybe it was a bluff by the Perazos. I, uh, yeah, I, I don't know, but I think, I think the information might've been bad. She was like, ah, fuck the fucking Peraz. I mean, all right, we'll, we'll try to, you know, get back here soon. We're going to, we're going to try to figure out exactly how we can get this kind of money. Okay. Cause I know it's floating out there somewhere. And if, if, we, if we can get it before the Perazos, then I'm, I'm fucking taking over this town. Okay. So just. Get back here quick, all right? F- fuck you and your extra money for booze, all right? I'm not paying you to sit around and drink if you're not going to get me good information, all right? Fucking Frank. <laughs> all right, get the fuck back here. <laughs> Fucking Frank. And he, you you just see his face just goes completely sullen. He's like, I had, like, he has the goods. Like, he mm. he's the guy that's about to turn the winning ticket, and there's a person taking the winning ticket from him. He goes, uh, uh of, of course, of course, boss. I'll be, I'll be, I'll be right there. And as he goes to hang up, you just hear, fuck it. He lets go of the receiver and kind of puts his hands up. As he looks behind you, there's just like a full-on gunfight. You say, bang, bang, bang. <laughs> a bunch of people are coming out, but his eyes quickly go back to you. Before we move on from your turn, uh, what do you what do you do as he sets down the receiver? First thing that they will notice um, is that there's no obviously you can't see any facial reactions coming from blank, but there's no body reactions either. There's no flinching at the sound of gunshots. There's no checking over the shoulder for any flying objects. They seem to be perfectly concentrated on this guy and still holding the shot of glass to their neck they bring the phone back to them type of a bit few more sentences and holds it up to them again and it reads what are you looking for what were you going to tell francine the guy kind of looks at you and goes okay indy carter perrazzo family you know, you know these people you know the perrazzos blank nods okay indy carter he's got big chunk of fucking money for the Perrazzos and disappeared with it, okay? Was supposed to deliver it, from what I understand, to Tony Perrazzo yesterday. She's looking for that money to buy the Tomaton Auto Factory, okay? Whoever's able to can kind of control this area going to have a whole lot more influence on Reno 12, okay? So all I know is I'm told to find Indy Carter. Indy Carter's got a lot of money, ran off with it or something, I don't know, but... I got the golden ticket here. Whoever, whoever finds Indy Carter is going to help control this, this fucking city. Mm. I don't know if I can do this in this term, but again, they'll respond on a text on the screen and show it to them saying, where is Indy Carter? You see uh, their eyes kind of look at you and they go, I don't, I don't know. I don't know for sure. I know he was in here last night getting drinks. You know, I was following Casey. She seemed to have the same information, Okay. I've been talking to these guys. They know we've got fucking shit faced, and there was he was talking to some guy all night. But like, I have no idea what happened after that. Right? I was I was just I was probably getting close before you motherfuckers came in and started shooting up Casey and shooting up everybody. Now, uh, who knows if I'm gonna get that information? Okay. Tell me all of your leads. You put this up, and he just kind of like sighs and begins to start talking. But we will fade from there as we go over to the mob of people. Have I earned any goodwill with them? In removing one of the aggrieving parties. <laughs> I think 
you have. I think they're they're not going to attack you. I don't think they're going to attack Eli. They are. There's two groups of four. I think one of them is going to go for Ward. Oh, no. Oh, God. It's so many drunkards for a daytime excursion. But I'm so nice. <laughs> one of All I did go was for shoot an extremely loud revolver in their bar. <laughs> At a glass, no less. At you a glass, shoot a no person? less. I didn't shoot a person. If anything, they and should I'm be impressed. And I'm so well dressed. What's the big idea? <laughs> you can't arrest me. I'm wearing a suit. <laughs> I think Blank rolled a good enough savvy check that they haven't really noticed you. Those are all going for me. I think Maria's chill. So I think they're all going for Ward. Uh-oh. Night-night, Ward. Not Kumari. Oh, yeah. What about Kumari? Oh, and Kumari. Ah, Kumari. I guess you did. Fa- okay, that is fair. Kumari turned off the music. Kamari did turn off the music. <laughs> really? Yeah. You were with Kamari. Oh, yeah. <laughs> He's the last one here. Yeah. Uh, so shooting at... I turned the music off? Oh, they're shooting. Yeah, you shot... You hit the jukebox. Shot the jukebox. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so stupid. They got guns? Uh, no, sorry. Just rolling for... I guess they got four. wrenches. I was shooting at the volume up button. They got, they got a seven plus three. They do one damage, but because they are four people, they do four additional points of damage. Bro! Uh, <laughs> you're going to take five uh, heart. Five damage. Wait! No! Which one? Which one of us? Uh, Ward. Five? Five. Chill. Holy shit. Bro, Bruh. time the fuck out. These are How four How many do you even have? Are you dead? Every people. Uh, I have two. Ward is just getting slammed across the face with, like, wrenches and, like, spitting out blood. Like, really getting fucked up by these guys. <gasps> hey, hey, leave Wardly alone. Guys, whoa. You see them chuck Ward's body out of this bar, uh, and they immediately turn to Kamari with the same looks on their face. Uh-oh. Uh, that is a five and a three, so that's going to hit. Um, oh! Two plus four, that is six points <gasps> of damage. Fuck! Fuck! Ooh! They're going to attack them both? Myself. There, was, there was like eight people. They're, they're just trying to get the... They're trying to get the menaces, like the people who are fucking up their bar, out of their bar. Out of the bar, okay. Holy shit. Kamari is also still crying as this is happening. <laughs> they feel a little bit... You know what? I'll take one point off because they feel bad. <laughs> <laughs> can I take a blues from that? Yeah, you, you, you can either take one less damage or you can take a blues. You can pick. Uh... Ooh, wow. I'm on the cusp of death. If I, I'm gonna take that one less day. Okay. Yeah, I was yeah. gonna say. You get chucked out, and they start like essentially forming a like phalanx around the entrance of this bar. No one's really getting into this bar. They don't seem to be attacking forward. Like they're not moving forward, but they are protecting their turf. That is their turn. Kumari, that is your turn. Jesus Christ. Kumari, uh, having like had that intense flashback, seeing like Wardley get fucked up and like not being able to do anything about it is like deeply crying like even like <laughs> like there's tears coming down the regular eye and like tears like coming out of the mechanical eye they stand up like covered in like bruises and cuts and like their clothes are all tattered their jacket like got ripped you can kind of like just see like their exposed shoulder and like their, their missing arm and they reach into their pocket and they pull out uh, their memento which is just like a, a birthday card with like it's like scorched a little bit and you can't really see what's said inside but you see at the bottom like the person that sent like gave it to them and it just says Maria's name and then they close it take a deep breath and look at everyone and then go I'm gonna fucking kill all of you 
and like puts the card back in their pocket. And I think everyone here knows like once Kumari looks at that card, they are on like a crazy death like extravaganza. It lights out for everyone. It's like full tunnel vision, does not give a shit. I think Kumari looks at Maria and like Maria has seen this eye before and I think maybe instinctively knows do not let Kumari have anything related to fire right now and will take out their gun and is shooting Casey uh, with like the intent to kill go ahead and make an attack that's 15 three fives three fives three fives you get chucked out of this bar by this group of people you see Casey start to walk out as Eli is standing up. The The lasso slips off of Eli. Maria looks at you as you pull out this birthday card. You see the signature. You see the scorch marks. And thank goodness that no additional damage came to this card because who knows what would be left of this bar. But you put it back into your pocket. You slowly raise your gun. And as Casey Perrazzo walks out of this bar cocking her shotgun and leveling it at Eli she looks over to you and sees very different eyes than what she had glanced at before before she'd seen the eyes of someone who was scared and who was dependent now she sees the eyes of someone who is angry and it is the last thing she sees Before uh, Kamari shoots, Kamari goes, I'm firing! <laughs> and follows protocol before firing. You see her, her eyes go wide, and the last thing she says is, What? <gasps> you see her head snap back, blood splatter against the people who had just thrown you out of the bar, and she falls to the ground. The tone of the bar changes drastically. Oh, no. Uh-oh. You don't see them looking to attack you. You see them just go limp because they do not have a decision to make anymore. You have made their decision for them. You have brought possible ruin upon this place because someone who is untouchable was touched at their bar. Kumari takes out a lighter from their pocket and goes, this bar's next. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Let's go. Go ahead. uh, If you want to roll me intimidation check, uh, I'll say go ahead and roll it with with the upper hand. Can Maria do a blues check to see if she takes a blues for seeing Kumari go over the edge? Yeah, sure. Go ahead and roll uh, 2d6. Add your grit. So Kumari's taking out a lighter to torch the bar. Yeah, I think they're going to try and torch the bar. Can I, like tacitly communicate with Kumari so that they throw the lighter and I shoot it so it explodes in a fireball <laughs> and like torches the bar and Eli Eli like knows that Kumari is like on the same like scorched earth hell path that he's on in this moment I want to I resolve these things in order so first Maria would you roll for your blues check 11 Maria you recognize this look in Kumari uh, I believe you've seen it before. You certainly recognize that birthday card and you gain a blues in this moment. 
Also, if I may, I would try to stop Kamari, I think. If this is if this is all happening at the same time, I would try to stop so him. So will Maria. Maria would try as well, so. I also take a blues for inflicting the blues on Maria. Oh, hell yeah. Uh, you can go ahead. Yeah, <laughs> add, This is add a, a fun blues. little infinite loop oh we could God. keep doing. <laughs> yeah, we could just power game it. Just power game it. <laughs> oh um, I'm going to say, uh, Kumari, you see this look from Eli. You guys have flown together for long enough that you know... You know, you know a combo move being called out to you. You see someone calling for an alley-oop. I think you also glance at Maria and you see Maria's eyes looking to you with a very different intention. You see Ward tensing to prepare to stop you. Kumari, before we make the decision on what kind of contested role this is going to be, what do you do in this moment as you hold this lighter lit? You see this group of people, shoulders slumped, looking terrified, but not of you, but of this unstoppable force that they know is coming their way because of what you have done. What does Kumari do in this moment? Kumari goes, uh, looks at everyone like I can recognize and like recognizes that they're not afraid of, of like what I'm about to do. Yeah. Uh, Kumari goes, looks at them at all uh, in the eye and goes, you have worse problems right in front of you. And then looks at Eli and goes, do it, employee of the month, and throws the lighter. <gasps> you toss Why the lighter. Why is so scary? Ward. Yeah. You see this happening. And you've seen, I think you've seen this type of uh, alley-oop combo move before. Yeah, yeah. Uh, what do you do? Ward has a moment where after getting tossed out of the bar, Ward stands up with a rage of like, someone hurt me, I'm going to hurt them, and goes after this crowd, but then has a moment where he sees that like, these are just like blue collar workers. These are miners just trying to make their way. And he's like, he's done hurting people like that who didn't like, who didn't really hurt him. He's going to hold himself back from his own violence and take a blues. And then he's <laughs> going to attempt to smack Kamari's hand to have the lighter just go straight down to be like, not today. Uh, Maria, how are you helping in this moment? Maria knows there's no good in words here. Kumari's gone. She's, I guess she's like right next to Eli. But uh, if Ward is like next to Kumari and and gonna make a, a move, I think that that Maria's gonna try to grapple Eli and like. Wait, is Blank still inside? Yeah, Blank still inside. <laughs> <laughs> you don't know this. You yes. don't know this. You don't know Kumari's that. Kumari's in the head right now. They don't know this. Don't Blank is. This. I was staying quiet. I was like in yes, the bar, do it. baby. <laughs> Well, yeah, Blank's like in the back though, <laughs> no. so they'd probably know that the flames were coming and be able to get out. I don't, I don't, I don't think so. <laughs> we'll certainly resolve that in a moment. Maria's gonna try to, like, she knows the lighter itself can only do so much damage unless, like, there's another cool combo move with like alcohol at the bar or something. So Maria's gonna try to grapple Eli so that Kumari can accomplish less as an individual because she knows Kumari works best in teams. Hmm. What we're going to do is we're going to do two contested checks <gasps> for this action that Kumari and Eli are going to do. You both have to succeed. So only okay. one of Ward or Maria has to succeed to essentially stop this team action. Okay. So okay. I'm going to start with Eli and Maria. Mm -hmm. You're both going to make opposed muscle checks. What'd you get, Maria? Maria's gonna exert herself 
No! You Because this is a desperate situation because Maria rolled a one and a two. Mm. <laughs> she's gonna use she's gonna exert one heart, re-roll one die. That's a five total. Oh god. Uh Eli, what'd you get? I'm gonna use my gambit. No. I'm gonna use my true grit gambit in an opposed <sighs> roll against my teammate. Oh. Once per session, you may draw on your inner resolve to roll a stat check or attack with the upper hand using your grit instead of the normal stat. Oh, hell yeah. That's a five. Five, a four, a three, and a two. And my grit is plus two. Yeah, you see Maria coming. Maria still kind of like moving this rope. You instinctively just kind of like stiff arm her as you reach up. Because you only need one arm to fire your revolver. And you hold her off with one hand as you aim with your revolver. Kumari and Ward. Can I make this a grit check if I grab my hand over the hot lighter? Ooh! Yeah, I'll let you make a grit check. What do I do? Uh, Kamari, I think I think <laughs> grit as well. I think what do I, I think do? fuck. Uh, I think that Ward is Can't kind of muscle? like. Give me muscle. <laughs> <laughs> it's I'll, their I'll grit let you. I'll let you both roll whatever you want because I because what I think is Ward is trying to just like show his resolve. Uh, Kumari is trying to get the job done. So Kumari, if you want to roll a muscle check, and Ward, you can roll a grit check. Uh, I'm gonna say for this one. Make your rolls. If you choose to roll any kind of exertion, we're both going to do that together. And okay. then whenever you choose your final number, we'll reveal your final number. Um, I think it's going to be grit because I think as Ward is doing this, they're like looking Kamari in the eye. And like, I think what kind of catalyzed this was seeing Ward get hurt. So I feel like it's more of an mm. internal struggle than actual muscle. Mm. <sighs> Boss, you first. Kumari rolled a seven. Ward rolled a ten. Yeah! Woo! Woo! Are you going to no. exert or anything? I have like two oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think Ward grabs the lighter, and then in the same way that Kumari helped Ward last session, just pulls into like a very strong embrace and won't let go of them despite the physical rage coming off of them. Oh. As this, with this burn on his hand. I think uh, Kumari is just like deeply crying, like sobbing at this point. And is like, they took everything from, like just like kind of saying this into like Ward's chest as like they sob. And it's like muffled, I guess, against Ward's shirt. And it's like, they took everything. I, I have to take everything from them. I know. It's okay. And then is like, looks up and looks at you and is like, you're not Maria. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not Maria. And then goes back into crying. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to say Kumari. I think actually uh, all four of you can give me uh, blues checks. Uh, so roll 2d6. And I thought add you were going to say perception checks to see if we notice where blank is. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, baby. We're blue. I got a 10. Yeah, I got a 10. I got a 9. I also got a 10. Sorry, I broke it. I'm so sorry. All of you in this moment, as you hear 
the body of Casey Prazo onto the ground. You hear off in the distance just a quiet, honestly, a very loud silence coming from the bar. And you hear this moment between you as Kumari is just kind of muffled crying into Ward's shirt. All of you realize exactly how lost for a moment each of you were. The moment kind of settles and you find yourself back in this kind of equilibrium of being a crew again for at least the moment. As you stand there very quietly, letting this all kind of play out, these tensions begin to simmer. You see the crowd who is looking at you begin to look back at the bartender. They're kind of starting to like murmur around themselves, just kind of quickly talking about what they should be doing. It's it's about this time that uh, from around the side of the bar, you see a shaky uh, gun kind of come out and you see the handle has dogs playing poker and you see John Tequila <laughs> Rogers uh, just looking at you guys going, uh, oh, oh, okay, uh, so you guys, you guys are like badasses. Okay, I didn't... <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm, I'm so sorry i didn't i didn't i didn't realize um oh good. hey john hi john hey uh okay so and you realize like this very suave guy with this cool pistol that he can do tricks with is usually firing at bottles not at people and blanks he gave those uh eight twelve robbers like fake guns right he did yeah he gave the eight twelve robbers fake smgs um, do we have any kind of communicators or like comm system? You do. You guys have uh, some shitty comms uh, that yeah. Maria bought on board. Oh, right, multiple right, group right. Ch- uh, group chats with multiple group chats as well. Right. Yeah, that's yeah. right. That's right. Just the, just the cattiest group chats. <laughs> Except that we, yes, Maria's in all of them. Maria's in all of them. Yeah, <laughs> Maria's in those. Even the one about her. Right, right. Um, I'd like to just message blank on like the all group chat, just being like, "Milk's gone sour. Time to go." Milk's gone. <laughs> And then I'd like to quickly check Casey's body for any clues or artifact. And then I'd just like to be like, we got to hightail it out of here. Sounds like we need to go find this Indy Carter. You reach down and start searching Casey's body. You see Casey has this like pretty badass looking shotgun that clearly has been like, she's molded it to her hand. Like she's done a lot of work to this shotgun. You kind of begin rooting through her pockets and things, and you see, like, seats. You see a couple of chips for the the casino, the High Rollers Casino that you know the Peraza family runs. You see a receipt or, like, a uh, kind of pamphlet for Reno Gold Accounting, which you know to be, like, an accounting and bail bondsman in the in, on Reno 12. Mm. You reach into her wallet and begin to pull out little bits of cash and looking through cards and stuff. And as you're flipping through, you find a... Fairly old picture of Nikki uh, <gasps> in her wallet. Oh, can I take a blues? No. I'll let you. I'll let you make a blues check. So go ahead and roll. I'll make a two d six and add your grit. I have seven. Gr- I have seven blues right now. That's a that's a seven plus my grit is two, so that's a nine. Brian, when you get to eight. It's that you can confront your trouble, or you have to. Once you get to eight, you have the ability for troubles to come a-brewing. So, Eli, you see this picture as you are speaking, and all of a sudden, your voice goes hoarse. You no longer able to speak for a moment as you see this picture now stained with Casey's blood of a very familiar green striped fringe dress 
on top of the angelic figure of Nikki, the same dress that she was wearing the day you guys made your escape. Only this time, you don't see this dress filled with bullet holes. You fall back into your mind, and off in the distance, we hear a bing As a blank, you see this message come up that the milk's gone sour. You've been, like, getting some of the, the lowdown from this guy who's just looking, is looking out the bar and sees Casey Barraza's body fall to the ground. He goes, holy shit, holy shit. You got, what the fuck did you guys do? Holy fucking shit. You got to go see Francine. You tell her you did that, man. You guys are going to be set for life. Holy fuck. Okay. Uh, listen, I don't, I don't know where Andy Carter, whatever you want, I, I'm going to give you. Uh, I, I don't know. I don't know where Andy Carter is. Uh, he was talking to some guy. Uh, the guy had like two really nice guns uh, on his side. Seemed to be some kind of like, I don't know, sharpshooter or something. Uh, I don't know. Talking to him the whole night, just feeding him drinks. And they left together, and then no one's seen Indy Carter after that. So I, 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 that's all I know. I think Indy Carter, uh, they, they maybe had a room uh, at, at 47 Fuel Hub. Um, uh, that's, you know, they, they, they worked out of the, the, the High Rollers Casino over on Reno 12. Uh, I, I, I'm guessing they never made it there because they didn't give Tony the money. So, and so once they left here, I don't know, they never made it back to Reno 12, as far as I can tell. The entire time, the moment... From the very beginning, when they first heard the name Francine, it's been almost like a, a white noise kind of ringing going on in the back of Blank's mind. So even as what the person that he recently learned his name is Frank, even as they're giving him the lowdown, it's kind of like almost muffled over this um, ringing sound. And Blank is almost just unconsciously, subconsciously nodding their head and then brings it, the phone to them again, types for a bit and it shows it to them again and it just says just get out now and we'll push them out of the phone booth you see fucking Frank just like gets pushed out of the phone he goes yeah yeah fucking and you see him he does that thing like you get pushed down to the ground you're like running but you you're running so fast that you can't maintain like being vertical he's like half running on all fours you guys see Frank burst out of there uh, as he runs past Casey you see him like stop and look down and like this is someone seeing you're seeing the godfather essentially like being shot down on the street or or something equivalent you're seeing a, a moment that you did not think was going to be happening today and you he has no other choice but to take it in for a moment and then immediately looks at all of you guys standing around looking like badasses or like destroyed in some various ways and immediately goes guys fucking awesome okay uh, later uh, and just starts running off into the desert towards uh, where you see there's a couple of ships off in the distance. Blank, as you see this guy run away and you get this message, you have that that white noise, that ringing in your head of Francine and the way that she shuffled her chips at the poker table, the way that the engine part that you stole, how it sounds when it revs up. You begin to move back towards your friends out of this bar what do you do as what do you do with this information that you've gained as you start to like rejoin the group i think at first nothing i I walk out silently i think i've always been quite silent despite my size and just stand without saying a word without saying without emphasizing or making any um like real acknowledgement of the rest of the uh, rest of the group and just kind of watches what they're doing and what they want to do next and kind of just moves 
on autopilot, I think, for a while. Hearing what everyone's saying, but not quite listening to what everyone's saying, if that makes sense. I think I honestly just think he's like that for a bit, maybe a couple of minutes, um, until I think someone makes a more active effort to get their attention. They don't really do anything but follow like a shadow. I think Blank, you come you, you come to when you oh sorry you're uh, you're the GM. Like it's you. Oh sorry, we're just gonna take the game from here, Brian. Don't worry Go about it. <laughs> Blank, as you walk out of this bar, you see this group of of miners kind of parts for you. Uh, you kind of like push your way through. You see, following immediately behind you is the bartender. As you walk forward, the bartender comes behind you, pushes you out of the way. You see him raise a revolver looking towards Eli. You see the gun move off to the side and fires off into the distance. Off in the distance, you see fucking Frank fucking fall. You see the bartender walks up to Eli. Eli, you see a man very large, much more physically imposing than you. Knows better than to raise a gun right now. Knows better than to try to intimidate you right now. He looks to you. Looks down at the body. Looks back up at you. Now you can choose. You can either kill one person today, or you can kill all of us. I need you to take that body and I need you to never speak of where it was buried. Because if it gets back to anyone, that Casey Peraza died here, you've killed us all. That's all well and good. We're always happy to take our trash with us when we leave. But you need to tell me one thing in return. Where is Indy Carter? You see him uh, holster his gun, just kind of shakes his head and goes, fucking worm. (laughs) Indy Carter got taken in for a bounty last night. Small bounty on him. I don't know. All I know, he was staying at the Reno 47 fuel hub last night. Bounty hunter was coming in here, took him over to, took him over to Sutler Orbital Turned him in for two credits, okay? That's what I know. Indy Carter's off the streets, and quite frankly, he's not fucking worth any of this. So whatever you want with Indy, whatever the fuck Indy's got that everyone seems to need so fucking badly, you'll find it at Sutler Orbital in a fucking jail cell, okay? All right. Much obliged. And then I'm just going to take the the body, I guess, and, like, drag it away. Take it by the foot and then I realize I'm not quite strong enough, so I'm like, Rhea, help me pull this body. <laughs> Rhea got to rope some of it up. She, you know, knows how to rope a harness onto oxen yeah. and all sorts of things. So we just make a sort of human version of that, and we can <laughs> rope up, do that load. You get to see the uh, miners begin to go into the bar. You see the, the bartender kind of look at them and goes, All right, gents, sorry about this, but uh, I'm going to need your help cleaning up. We gotta, we gotta scrub this place good. Before she leaves, Maria's go, 
I don't know if this is going to be helpful for you, but if it is, and she'll give them her wrench. Uh, the, the bartender takes and just kind of goes, uh, yeah, I, I can do something with this, I suppose. All right. You have a good day now. After hearing that plan, Kamari kind of like stops crying, like looks up and I think it's like still in kind of like serious, like killer mode kind of. And is like, no, we can't just dump the body in out of the airlock. If they have a bio compass, they'll find it easy. We have to cut up the body and separate it <gasps> in different places. Fuck. <gasps> Can we get the robot to do that? I don't think we <laughs> yeah, need to do like that. Yeah, that's like Herbie's job. That's Herbie's job. That's, Herbie's great that's great definitely yeah, Herbie's, Herbie's job. Herbie fully loaded with saws. <laughs> yeah, we don't do this. This is Herbie's. Eli's like, definitely, uh, let's throw her out the airlock somewhere. And then I think we should go to the Reno Snakes. They're a local gang. I think they'd be more than happy to get rid of the competition and lend us there. Uh, expertise, if you will. Maybe they'd want it to even take credit for it. Mm. That's right. Maybe they'll give us some credits for that credit. Yeah, that's pretty good. Yeah. Yeah, I'm into I that. So. Blank is still almost in a fugue state, but hearing the name Rena Snakes definitely snaps them back into reality. I think even the gunshot, because from the way you described it, Brian, the gunshot was basically right by his head. Going yeah. from Because mm-hmm. the barkeeper just shot right from behind him at Frank. So even that was not enough to take him out of it, but the mention of Rena Snakes does. And they look over to Eli and grabs them by the scruff of their shirt, the collar, and pulls them close. Whoa. And... You can tell they're trying to say something, but all you can really hear is like rasp, raspy whispers and their knuckles are clenched around as tight as they can. Their nails piercing, sinking into the palms of their hands they're trying to get something across. And as they struggle to get anything out of their mouth, they can become more and more frustrated and push you away before bringing out their phone to start again frantically typing something into it and shoves it into your face Eli and says we cannot fuck with the Reno snakes they're not to be trusted they will not want to work with us they'll kill you they'll kill all of us they'll kill me whoa Eli always takes blank very seriously because they know when they do say something it's like they fucking mean it (laughs) and so I think I'd like to question blank just like what about that Blank, you see uh, Eli kind of, as Eli falls back, looks at you and gives you, yields respect to this action, to this statement that you've made on your phone, clearly seeing how difficult you were struggling. But the look on their face is now one that has a million questions and is looking to you for whatever answers you may choose to give. There's a moment of silence. Not even any typing from the key, the, the keys on his phone, and they type something and show it to you, and just says, "I need a drink. Can we just get on the ship first? I'll explain." I, I can respect that. As a sad cowboy, I can respect needing to have a strong whiskey in your hand before you dig into your problems and woes. Yeah, I think we should get on the road. That's a good plan, Blank. Drink would be good. Yeah, drinks, drinks would be yes. 
drinks on the house. Ward and Kamari are fucked up. <laughs> Ward and Kamari are <laughs> so fucked. Maria's trying very hard to just focus on the task at hand because if she, if she, she's glad Ward is. Is taking on, you know, Kumari, but but it's breaking her heart that she feels like she can't right now. Oh, if I may add a fun detail. When, like, Ward and Kumari come out of this situation where they're, like, walking next to each other and Ward's kind of hanging by them. And you see that, like, from getting beat up, Ward has, like, a blood vessel burst in one of his eyes that matches kind of Kumari's cyborg um, eye as they're walking next to each other. Kumari, Kumari. Goes to the ward and's like, you know, I got my eye in the war. The war. The war. Maybe I'll. Which one? I think. I think. Uh, <laughs> Never mind. I think we flash back <laughs> to. Uh, we flash back and you see Maria and Kumari like getting off a ship in some city and like go into a shop that says the war and Kumari has both of her eyes and they sell <laughs> mechanical oh eyes and you see Kumari buy Incredible. this mechanical eye to then put over their their actual eye and then comes back we come back Wild. to uh and uh Kumari's <laughs> like maybe I'll I'll show you one day all right <laughs> oh my god! In your in your frazzled state, Ward, you have no you have no idea what's happening. No idea, but that'll stick in your mind. Oh, Kamari was in a war. <laughs> Kamari was in a war. You guys make it back to your ship. You grab the bodies of Casey Perazzo and fucking Frank, take them onto the ship, and blast off into near space, uh, heading off of the planet that contains Irvine Industrial into the vacuum of the infinite expanse. As you guys go out there, uh, just like for expediency, what, what do you guys decide to do with the bodies? Give it to the robot, chop yeah. it up, and then spit it out like yeah, at different Irvine points. Like shoots it out to different planets. Abby the human. Yeah, we should put a, really like a graphic violence. Kirby, <laughs> we want episode. the Vegas special. But Maria, I guess, is okay with it. <laughs> I went... I'm going full rogue this episode. <laughs> oh, we both double down on this, Carolyn. Yeah, I like it. Hardcore. I also feel quite betrayed by Ward trying to stop the plan. Like, I thought Ward was my brother in revenge. So, like, Eli's definitely mentally, like, sided with Kumari mm. and not with Ward. I think Ward maybe has a little bit of resentment that you were playing into Kumari's rage fit. Yeah, team building mm. session mm. now. God damn. Tension. Tension. <laughs> you guys make it back onto the ship. Uh, you blast off into space. You uh, hear uh, Herbie off in the distance going, Hey guys, how can I help? Oh, I see. You want me to do the Vegas special? I gotcha. Oh, no. You hand over the bodies and you see uh, a couple pieces be ejected out in various directions uh, just in case someone tries to scan for this body they'll see two completely opposite directions being coming out by whatever process that is. You don't really ask Herbie how Herbie does anything. No. You just know that it gets done. Definitely you just not. just pump all the oxygen You gotta give him a couple up. extra cranks, yeah. <laughs> uh, you see you see, Dick Whiskey is in a chair yeah. in the corner. Yeah. He's still, because you guys left him lassoed. Uh, so he <laughs> has finished his body scan, sitting very patiently, uh, just enjoying the fact that he has a, a roof over his head. Uh, do you guys untie him? For sure. No. 
Oh. Yeah. <laughs> I think we untie but we maybe we lock him in, like, the kitchen area. I thought he was part of our yeah, crew did now. Did we give him a room? We gave him a room. You gave him a room. The small room that he's sharing with John Tequila. But he yeah, but if we put him in the kitchen and we lock him in there, maybe he will feel so compelled as to cook something. Oh, I like this idea. <laughs> you you enlist a man named Richard Dick Whiskey to be your cook. We don't ask him nothing. We're having we gruel just, for dinner. You know, if he's, if he's in there and he gets hungry, maybe he will feel compelled. Uh, he gets put pushed into the kitchen by you guys, uh, kind of looks around and goes, Oh, I, I, I see what's going on here. Uh, uh yeah, I, I'll, 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 I'll make some food. Uh, he's gonna roll a little check. All right, uh, he starts cooking. You'll, you'll see, you'll see how it is later. Oh my god! He starts cooking. You guys see, John Tequila has been fairly quiet during this encounter. You saw him hide off in the distance. Keep in mind, you guys originally went here to try to find Red, uh, the the woman that he's looking for. Mm. But as this went off, he knew that this was not the time. Hid behind the wall as this was happening and realizes the magnitude of what's happening. He has been in the Sutler system before, has a vague understanding of Casey Perrazzo, but knows that that person has absolutely gone down. Ward John Tequila comes up to you and goes, uh, Listen, I, I, I don't know what you guys were, were doing, but you know, just to keep it on your radar. Hmm. Red was supposed to be fighting Casey tomorrow. I mean, that's that's the... I imagine that's off. I, I, I imagine that's off too, but I mean... I don't, I don't know if Saul knows that. <gasps> Just, uh... Right. Maria's gotta fight. <laughs> Where was this taking place again? Uh, it was supposed to be taking place at the undercarriage bar. The bar that you guys... Uh, that bar? That bar. Oh, fuck. Maria's got to fight. Maria's got to fight. Oh, we got to put a wig on Maria. John. <laughs> Basically, we got to put Maria in like as Casey a fighter. John, you know not. where we can get some, some punch up for Maria? Oh, my God. You, you see his face kind of get a bit screwed up. He goes, listen, the only punch up I know is being smuggled in by Red and Saul. Okay, like fuck. that's. Yeah. That's the only stuff. I, I think this was supposed to be a demonstration, so I don't, listen, I don't want to fuck with Saul Jackson, okay? Like, I don't want to fuck with you Carrazzo's. But clearly, I made an error in judgment coming with you guys, but it seems like I'm in here for the long, or at least the short haul. What error would that be? You're fucking crazy. That's what error this is. Kumari pulls a gun on John and says, what'd you say? Boss. Jesus. Okay. It's all right. <laughs> it's all right. Okay. Listen, I'm... I'm just saying. Puts the gun away. Things escalated faster than I anticipated them to. You never, you never met Casey Peraza before, have you? Listen, I never had the, the displeasure of meeting Casey Peraza. Right. So but you don't understand the kind of threat someone like Casey Peraza poses just with their presence. There was only one way that that situation was ending. And if you think that's crazy, so be it. You can get off the ship anytime you want. You see his eyes momentarily glance out into the cold vacuum of space, and he kind of just backs Where the off. Pieces of <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pieces of Casey browser going by. He just kind of like slowly backs off. He goes, "I'm not. Uh, it's it's fine. I'm just saying." It's escalated. Yep. Why don't you go help Dick? 
Yeah. You hear like smashes and crashes, and Dick just going. Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you just see like smoke billowing out. Um, it smells okay. You guys uh, see the the map of this this system, and you know the various areas you could go. You know, there's the Sutler Forty Seven Fuel Hub. You know, there is Reno Twelve, where both the Reno Snakes and the Prazo family are stationed. You know that Sutler Orbital is supposedly where. Indy Carter's being held. You know that Indy was staying at the Route 47 fuel hub in one of the rooms of the motel. I do think I tell everybody the, the I remind everybody of the fight after John's out of earshot, just so that everybody has that information. Yeah. Mm. You have a lot of places you could go and a lot of things you want to do. Where do you think you want to head? Maria's gonna take a, the map over to blank because he had such a, a strong emotional moment, which is kind of out of character for them. And she's going to pull out the map and say, Blank, are there any places on this map you want to avoid? Is it a physical map, or is it kind of like a projection sci-fi map? We'll see it's a projection sci-fi map. Hell Yeah. <laughs> They, I think because they have, they understand the navigation system and the mapping system of the ship pretty well. They grab around Reno 12 and with a kind of flick of the wrist, you just see and it become void. Like it's not there anymore as they show that they very much do not want to go there. Mm. Well, all right. I, I don't know if anyone was too eager to get over there. So that seems all right. You think if we maybe head on over to a, well, gosh, we want to go to the the fuel hub. We want to go back. I don't really want to go back to that bar, if I'm being honest with you. I mean, my vote would be not back to the bar. I don't feel like any big family reunions. What if we stake out the bar? What if we are around the bar, but not at the bar? We could do that. I don't want to bother that bartender in in the same way we did today. Maybe we can try and kidnap someone we want to kidnap on their way into the bar. Like, if we want this punch-up, we need money, right? All of our problems can be dealt with with either two things, both of which start with M. Money or murder. Now, my problems, (laughs) I need to keep killing. I got a long list of people that deserve justice, and it just got one shorter today. So I'm ready to keep shooting, keep rooting, keep tooting. But y'all got problems that are going to need some cash. So I think we can do both of these. We kidnap someone, we either steal this punch up or kill whoever y'all need to kill. As Eli mentions that money is the other M word that we might need, they will, if you're okay with this, Brian, mm. will hit play and just play what he recorded Frank telling them. Nice. Oh, oh sorry. Nice. Fucking Frank. Nice. Fucking Frank. Fucking Frank. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you, guys, you guys hear uh, Blank just walk up to you and quietly uh, click this button on their, on their phone and you begin to hear this conversation of fucking Frank's fucking last words. And you hear this uh, shaky voice telling you about Indy Carter and this supposedly large amount of money that both the Reno Snakes and the Perrazos want. Clearly, this money that belongs to the Perrazos 
but is currently in the wind with Indy Carter. And what you know that uh, fucking Frank didn't is that Indy Carter is currently in a jail cell, having been turned in. What you're able to piece together with those two pieces of information is that Indy Carter was supposed to deliver this money to Tony Perazzo. Before they could, they got scooped up for a bounty. You don't know if they had this this money on them. You don't know if they stashed it somewhere. You don't know if they made a deal with the bounty hunter and took off. Or the bounty hunter has it, yeah. But, but you get a better idea of why Casey was in there uh, in the first place looking for Indy Carter and the kind of miscommunication between the two, her assuming that he made off with it and the reality being that he got picked up before he could deliver it. Can I do a perception or like history or some kind of check to see if the description of the person who Indy was drinking with jogs anything? Yeah, go ahead and roll a... Yeah, the uh, two guns. Yeah. Check. Um, am I adding anything to this or it's just uh, You roll savvy. Um, so it's six plus three is nine plus two is eleven. You hear the description of two guns. Uh, you specifically remember, you, you hear the description of two guns and your mind immediately flashes to uh, two revolvers holstered on cross-draw holsters. So rather than pulling from your sides, you are crossing your body for each of them. Mm-hmm. It's a manner in which most people don't draw because it's a little bit slower and a little bit more cumbersome, but learning how to do it, A, looks pretty fucking cool, and when you learn how to do it well, allows you to draw very quickly. You recognize this to be uh, Marvin O'Neill. Marvin O'Neill is a a pretty well-known bounty hunter in this system who is known for cross-drawing revolvers. Now, every once in a while, I'd just like to take a peruse through some of the bounty materials. And it sounds like this cross-draw method, which is real showmanship-like. That might be a Marvin O'Neill who took him in. Does that name mean anything to the rest of us? I would say Ward and Eli. I think you would both be pretty familiar. And actually, maybe even Blank, you might have heard of this name. Anyone with a criminal element, Marvin O'Neill is kind of a boogeyman type character. Mm-hmm. <gasps> Baba Yaga? Someone, someone, who, <laughs> someone who chooses an inferior method of drawing their weapon and is still alive is someone yeah. to be reckoned with. It's the one you sent to kill the fucking boogeyman. <laughs> I think, uh, Maria, because you, because you like check out waivers and stuff, you kind of type up and you see Indy's name pop up and you see that it's been essentially like stricken from the record as if it's been cashed in. So you know that someone has delivered, has made good on Indy's bounty. You also know... Was that alive? That was listed as alive. You see Indy Carter uh, stricken off. You know that Marvin O'Neill... There are two places you could deliver uh, a bounty. One is on Reno 12, and one is on Sutler Orbital. Sutler Orbital is notably one of the very few places where the Perazzo family don't have any sway, largely because of bounty hunters and people like Marvin O'Neill who simply do not allow that to happen. Mm -hmm. It's much more likely that uh, he would turn in Indy there than anywhere else. With that savvy check, you also see... There's a couple, like, bounties that are, like, super high, but they're bounties that have been there forever. There's, like, uh, Paz Jr., who's been there for, like, 15 years. is listed as, like, a 10-credit bounty. 
but no one's ever like seen or heard of this person and likely they've disappeared into the wind but scrolling down past the few like obvious like white whale kind of bounties you see John Tequila Rogers still listed at six credits and you see John Tequila Rogers listed as alive and I think with that savvy check you have the thought of if Saul Jackson doesn't want him to get to red why would he list this bounty as alive and not alive or dead? Oh, so Saul Jackson wants Tequila to kill Red? Or no, they're they're in love, so he wants him to save Red? I think it's a setup. <gasps> oh, the fight was a setup? No, I... Th- or, or it's a setup for us? Maybe Red's in on it. Well, so... And Red's a double-crosser. My thought was maybe that... that hold up. My brain's in six places at once. All right. <laughs> We're going to walk through this real slow like. Okay. So, Andy Carter's got a whole bunch of money. Got a lot of credits. Yeah. He gets taken in by a, a bounty hunter that he's having a bunch of drinks with. But but this bounty hunter's known. So, why would he... You know, he would know this man, probably. He gets taken over to, to Sutler Orbital, where... The Parazos don't have real any influence because it's bounties. Then we got Saul Jackson, who has effectively kidnapped the lover of John Tequila. Now, he knows John Tequila will do anything to get her back, including get turned in for a bounty alive so he can cohort with Indy Carter while in jail. And get his credits? I've lost the trail end of this, but I... You're saying... I was liking where you were going. (laughs) You're saying it's all a setup to get this score that Indy was transporting. The the Perrazzo's money that the the Reno snakes also want. But I think maybe there's a handoff going to happen in prison. Oh. Sounds like we need to do a reverse So we shouldn't trust John is what you're saying? You think John's... You think John wants to get turned in? I think they don't know that we know this plan. And so if we get John in there as a sort of a mole, he'll do anything to get Red out and safe. But he now has an ally who knows better, and he knows what we're capable of. Kamari goes, like, kind of gets up and goes, Guys, did I kill someone today? (laughs) Yeah, big time, boss. Big time kill. Yeah, Kumar, we're gonna we're gonna have an extra long uh, story time tonight. Kumar goes straight to the their room and goes to sleep. Well, oh, wait, oh, you should oh. probably be patched. Up. Oh, okay, we'll talk tomorrow. Maria's heart breaks a little bit, and she'd like to do a blues check. Yeah, cool. <laughs> <laughs> that's a ten. Uh, yeah, you you gain one blues seeing uh, Kumari just quietly go off into their room. Okay. Kamari gains the blues for inflicting the blues on someone. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Insane we have this cycle. I love it. I love it so much. So, it. It's so fucked. Just like a real family. Man, there's so many choices, and I was going to turn to the boss. I was going to ask the boss what, what they wanted to do. I um, wonder if maybe we go try to... Because we're not going over to Reno 12. That's right. for sure. Maybe we go turn... We'd talk to John Tequila about our plan, but would turn them in for the bounty. 
I, I don't know that John Tequila is going to like that. John Tequila has one thing on his mind, and that's going back to the bar to save Nikki tomorrow. Well, to, but, to save Red. To save, oh, to save sorry, Red. to save Red. Nikki is yours. Yeah. Uh, Saul Jackson nice, has nice. to has to come collect him because the exchange is he'll give us the credits and we give him. Is that tequila. how that works? Would Saul come pick Tequila? No, no. Ba- it's just done in the bounty office. So, right. so what what would happen if if someone wanted someone alive? It's you're essentially putting out a call to anyone to like turn them in. Saul Jackson could come to collect because mm. uh, he's putting the bounty. Also, just might want him locked up and out of the way. Interesting, but right. it it is noteworthy that it was alive and not alive or dead. Right. Mm. I might just be spinning tails. I'm. I want to be. I. I like. I like half of your tail, and then you lose me a little bit towards the end. Yeah. I'm like. I'm on board. Yeah, that seems about the the short and long of it. Yeah. What would my dad do? Do I have any insight into yeah, that? Yeah. Go ahead and roll um, a savvy check. I'll say you can roll since it's your dad uh, with the upper hand. I know. I this man. This man's honestly the the thing that's confusing to Ward right away is like Saul would not not kill someone unless he had a reason. You know, he would just. He would just make it dead. Um, six credits. Right. That's only a six, though. Your dad is smart, but he's not con man necessarily. Yeah, yeah. He's he's not putting together like crazy plans. You think it, it's true that he wouldn't put someone alive if not for a reason, but it's not a, fin- a too finagled reason. You don't think it's too finagled. Um, I think would with you a, call my idea? No, on Maria, the more I wouldn't use that word. I wouldn't use the word finagled. <laughs> your, your I, I call it creative. <laughs> your idea is on the more finagled side for what Saul is for what is in Saul's wheelhouse. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know that the pieces are John Tequila in love with Red. Red's supposed to be fighting Casey Perazzo. Red is helping Saul smuggle in these drugs. This fight is supposed to be like a showcase of these drugs to somebody to somebody and we don't know who that somebody is necessarily not necessarily it doesn't necessarily have to be it may not be an entity it may just be kind of like people who are there sure um general advertisement yeah general advertising like in the olden days when they were like look come to the laughing gas demonstration (laughs) can i ask a question Uh, yeah um Saul having six credits to blow on John Tequila, does that speak to some level of success he's found since I last saw him? You know your dad. Your dad is the kind of person who would take on a lot of debt to try to make a lot of money. Yeah. When it works out, he he is the rainmaker. When it doesn't, he just complains that it didn't rain. Yeah. Okay. It's very much a thing where it could just would, be debt. It could just be debt that he will skip out on in some way or another. Copy. But you do recognize that this is, like, a lot of risk to be taken on, to be putting this out there and, like, putting this bounty out there that he may not be able to pay. I got bad news. I think we got to go back. To the bar? I think we got to stake out that fight. Let me ask. Let me ask everybody a question. We can slip a note under the captain's door. For I think we should show up for the morning team meeting. Probably all of us. Well, at, at that <laughs> team meeting, at that team meeting, and maybe y'all can sleep on this and think about what my my question here: What is it that you really want 
For me, that's a simple answer, revenge. I want to kill the Parazzo family leaders. And I want each of you to think about, as employee of the month, I'm using my one employee question of the month for the crew to ask, what is it that everyone really wants? Think about your answer while you sleep and tell us at the morning meeting. Good night. I'm going to go stare out the window, sadly. <laughs> Eli walks off to their favorite brooding uh, window. In the escape pod, I think we... <laughs> in the escape pod. Um, reckoning with realizing that in the back of their mind, their trouble is a brewing with their blues at an all-time high. All of you have that question in your mind of what do you really want? This is a system where a lot of you have bad memories. For some of you, it may be revenge. For some of you, it may be escape. For some of you, it may be something else entirely. But it's a question that will weigh on you as you sleep. And I think as you all make your way off to bed, where do you set the flight path to? Or do you remain in space for the evening? At least from what everyone's said so far, it seems like we're going to be going back to that bar. I think it'll be like a very distant, but a distant orbit of the moon. You you plug in a geosynchronous orbit of the moon where Irvine Industrial is located, and you set uh, a timer for eight, seven or eight hours before it would land again. And you all look out in your various sleeping pods into the abyss of space, and you ponder Eli's question of what is it that you really want with questions there, questions interior and exterior. That is where we will end this session. Oh, man, that was heavy. Damn. That was heavy. Heavy, heavy. My heart. <laughs> Tense and heavy. A lot of blues, a lot of troubles, and a lot of unanswered questions will hopefully be answered next time on my first dungeon, Orbital Blues. See you, Space Cowboy. Bang, 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 bang. If you're looking for more great gaming content from everyone here at Many Sided Media, you should consider subscribing to the 20 Sided Newsletter. It's a free, bi-monthly newsletter for people who love games, make games, and just love making games. To subscribe, just go to 20sidednewsletter.substack.com or follow the link in the show notes.